It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, anything you want to talk to us about today, we'd love to hear from you. You can call 0818 103 103. John Paul taking the calls. Text and WhatsApp's available at 0862 103 103. Anything you want to share with uh, uh, us. I, I was listening uh, yesterday and it's followed up in a lot of the papers uh, today of uh, retailers who were before an Oireachtas committee yesterday and they went before an Oireachtas committee because they were talking talking about the surge in robberies at their shops, but also they were talking about the violence towards staff and they're saying that it is now spiralling out of control. Shop owners spoke to the Oireachtas Trade Committee about being assaulted by gangs of young robbers and some of these young robbers have weapons which they pull out and attempt to use on staff members. Others said they've spent tens of thousands of euros to try to combat what they say now is rampant thievery. All those who gave evidence agreed that a lack of effective deterrence has led to a chronic retail crime by small gangs of youths. And these gangs of youths know that if they get caught Wrap on the back of the knuckles. They're too, uh, they're too young, and off they'll go again. Uh, complaints to Gardaí by retailers has increased by fourteen percent uh, over the past uh, twelve months. But a lot would say that many of the retailers don't even bother reporting because they feel there's absolutely no uh, point. Some of the people that were addressing the committee yesterday claimed uh, it's generally just not worth their while reporting because a lot of it is just petty crime. The retailers are now demanding tougher me- measures, particularly for these young uh, offenders. They're saying, for example, every theft which is carried out by youths under the age of 16 should be straight away referred to TUSLA. And then TUSLA can do follow-up with their families and, you know, see see if that will help in some way. Judges, they also want judges to be given the same discretion when sentencing those who are convicted of a crime against a retail worker as they would have if they were sentencing offences taken against the Gardaí or first responders. Retailers also want a new law dedicated to targeting retail theft and ensuring that those who are convicted face stiff sanctions because they reckon that will will hopefully uh, be seen as an obvious deterrent. The small Irish Small and Medium Enterprise Association, they estimate that retail crime is costing retailers over 1.62 billion every year. 
And it's a huge sum of money. And of course, again, this is a crime that affects all of us because obviously the retailers have to factor in that they're going to lose so much of their stock every year to this uh, theft. So they factor that in by increasing the cost. So ultimately, we all end up paying uh, for this. And if you look at the global retail theft barometer, they've actually found that Ireland has the highest cost per capita of retail crime and we are top of the list and we're significantly more ahead than both the second and third place countries, which, by the way, Iceland was in second place and Denmark was in third. Michael O'Sullivan is the owner of a spa shop on uh, Talbot Street. And he was speaking yesterday at this Oireachtas uh, committee meeting. He claimed that between he has between five and ten incidents of theft in his shop every day. Not even every week, every day between five and ten items are stolen from his shop. He said that on a recent Sunday morning, he was kicked in the side when he tried to challenge a group of youths who were stealing alcohol from his shop. Now, he said despite the fact that he pressed, he has a store panic button that is linked to Store Street Garda Station, which is about... 300 yards away from his uh, shop. He said it still took a full eight minutes before Gardaí arrived at the scene and obviously the youths that got in they, when he confronted them they attacked, he, they started, he, he got kicked in the side uh, and then they made off with the alcohol. By the time the Gardaí arrived they were well, well gone. The committee heard repeatedly that a lack of both a Garda presence and the obvious deterrence then when they are caught has now fuelled this rise in shoplifting and petty theft of retailers. Uh, and it's not just Dublin because the proprietor of a, what was being described as a robbery-plagued store in Dundalk, a gentleman by the name of Colin Fee, he said that one particular offender who was aged under 16, he said that particular offender must have done our store at least a hundred times. Like he's that well known uh, to them. He said the older he got, the more vicious and the more aggressive he got. He ended up, he said, one day pulling a knife on one of the staff. Now he's currently in Oberstown, but he said, why did it simply take that long? And then Noel Dunn, who owns a centra on Parnell Street in Dublin, of course, where we saw kicking off all of the uh, riots a couple of weeks ago. He says he's out between 60 and 70,000 a year. He said that's before he even switches on a light in the morning. And wh- where that cost is coming from, it's the constant low level robbery instance that are going on. There's also the need he has to protect his shop. He's had to employ uh, private security. He said they come in here in organised gangs. There'll be four or five of them uh, together. He said they come in on those wretched electric scooters. And when he was asked about the age of these youths, he said they're between 14 and 16. So, you know, some of them are, are quite young. He said they're completely brazen because they know they can't be touched. They come in, they take what they want, they run out the door and that is it. And off they go, as he said, on their wretched electric scooters. He noted that he has 14 security cameras. He says, now 14 security cam- uh, cameras in a small central store may seem excessive, but he said nothing is better than a uniform walking past my store. So he's somebody else is saying that we need much more of uh, a guard the presence. But just shocking to see what the staff have to uh, put up with. And could you imagine going to work every day and knowing that you're possibly going to be facing that level of intimidation? And I saw somebody post up on uh, Twitter this morning. There was two guys, I think they pitched 
picture was from the uh, Irish is it's from the independent uh, .ie and it was teens who appeared in court in court they they were charged with stealing over 3000 euro worth from Foot Locker in Dublin my god the amount of runners they must have made off with on that day but these two uh, teens are photographed smirking absolutely smirking as if this is a great day out what a great bit of fun and shouldn't we get 3000 euro worth of runners and trainers out of Foot Locker the night of the riots but just to see the, just they just don't care they just don't seem to care but when I was listening to that Oireachtas Trade Committee yesterday and listening to the frustration of some of those uh, shop owners you could see with some of the shop owners they're absolutely worn out from it but when they were talking about you know youths some of them 13, 14 year olds you straight away start to think like where are the parents particularly with the ones that are the repeat offenders I mean that guy who did that store at least a hundred times before he was finally caught. I mean, where were his parents? And would it help if they, as soon as they're caught, if they end up in court, Tusla get involved straight away? Or is that just going to overburden the, the Tusla uh, system? Anyway, your thoughts uh, welcomed on that. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp if anybody knows the possible solution uh, to it because retailers are saying that this kind of theft and the violence against staff is spiralling out of control. C103's Christmas covered our Super Value gift cards. We're giving them away again today. Another €500 Euro to be won. And well done to Sharon Forsyth in Whitegate, who was our winner yesterday. Congratulations, uh, Sharon. You could be joining our list of winners today. I will look for another qualifier later on on the programme. I will give you the cue for you to text her WhatsApp. I'll do it once during the programme. You'll send me on your name and address. Go into the draw. Join me on air to answer a simple Christmas uh, question and by doing that you'll become the qualifier for this programme and go forward to the draw later on today with Martina after six Martina calls one of our finalists back to tell them the good news that they've won a 500 euro shopping spree thanks to the Super Value gift cards that's C103's Christmas covered and don't forget those Super Value gift cards they're perfect for every occasion they're available in store or you can get them online for as an e-gift uh, card you simply search Super Value gift cards uh, 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls on this spurge, surge in retail theft and the violence towards uh, staff and the amount of robberies that are ongoing. Retailers are saying it's spiralling out of control. Uh, Shay says, Patricia, on retail theft, it's a criminal's market out there now. This is the rock the government will perish on as eventually most of those shops will be forced to close and they'll end up opening online. We'll all end up shopping for everything online where you'll pay before you receive your goods. But the sad part is that will cause a huge number of people to be unemployed and the government will again then have to pay their social welfare. Well, it's the taxpayer will be fitting, footing the bill yet again. You must kill any kind of cancer at the root and youth petty crime needs severe punishment and that will end it fast. Cat of nine tails, a lash from a cat of nine's tails. It was soon changed the minds about committing the crime a second time. This is a cancer left to fester in Ireland by the government over years, making the place a gangster's paradise, says uh, Shay, who isn't the only one who is advocating for corporal punishment to be brought back in. Somebody said they should be leathered black and blue. Now, I don't know if we want to go down the route of reintroducing uh, corporal punishment, but I do think Shay uh, is right 
right, we are going, we are already starting to lose a number of small shops. I know one, there was another contributor yesterday. He was a gentleman with a shop in uh, Limerick and he was uh, talking about the number of shops that are closing, particularly the smaller retailers. They just can't put up with it. They're losing too much of their stock, but also because they are feeling intimidated and abused and verbally threatened. They're finding it difficult to get people to work. You know, some uh, spoke about being physically assaulted, being spat at, being uh, kicked. Uh, but but I think it was that guy from uh, Limerick was saying that most of the offenders, are, they are young offenders, and they said like, well, he'll call the Gardaí, they'll get arrested. But then he said they're back out in the street in the afternoon and they'll brazenly come back into the shop again to start shoplifting again. He said they'll eventually go before the courts, they're fined. But he said, guess what? The fines are never paid. And he was another one calling for we need stronger uh, deterrence are, are definitely needed. And he gave an example that uh, he worked at one stage in Melbourne in Australia and they had a system there that if an offender was fined for a crime like that by intimidating or causing damage to a shop or shoplifting, the fine was taken out of their state benefits until the whole fine was uh, paid and he said it is a, he'd had a huge impact in driving down that sort of crime so there are solutions we can look to uh, other countries to see how they sorted it. Now GPs are urging parents to be aware of symptoms of RSV in their children. This is due to a surge in the number of cases which has put pressure on all parts of medical care. Blackpool based GP Dr John Sheehan joins me to talk about the different viruses and infections that are doing the rounds at at the moment. Uh, Good morning to you, John. Morning, Patricia. Uh, You're welcome to the programme. I suppose we'll start with this RSV, uh, which is getting a lot of attention at the the moment. Okay, explain what it is and why do parents in particular need to watch out for this? I I suppose, Patricia, we've seen a big increase in RSV, which is respiratory, respiratory syncytial virus over the last few weeks. It's been around for for, for decades, really, but it has increased. And the difficulty with it is that it tends to affect younger children, particularly children under the age of two. And and the difficulty is with the very small babies, like the six-month-old babies, they get very choked up with it. So their their lungs and their, their nasal airways get very blocked up with secretions. So then they find it very hard to feed. They can find it hard to breathe and they can get quite distressed with it. For most of us, and particularly when we're a little bit older, it's like a it's like a bad cold or it's like a bad flu, and we get over it. But when you're very small, it can really affect people, and it also can affect our older age population um, as well. And probably the reason it's getting so much attention this year is that during COVID, the number of infections that people got went way down because people were isolating. So there's probably a bit of a kickback now because we're mixing more and so more of us are out and about where things are back to normal. So there's a bit of a catch up in terms of our immunity and in terms of infections and things like that. Is it very contagious? It is, unfortunately. It's spread by droplets, so it's spread by coughing and sneezing. So if you can imagine schools and gatherings and as people are gathering now, um, it spreads around. Um, But every year, uh, Patricia, we see an increase in in, in these type of infections. Um, This year, probably more than most. And um, I was on South Dock there last week and the Mercy, unfortunately, their Peds ward was full and mainly it was with, 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 with babies with RSV. There's no real treatment for it. And I suppose it's important to stress that for the vast majority of, of, of people who get it, they'll be sick and they'll be miserable, um, but they'll get over it and they'll be fine. 
it's really the smaller babies who are kind of more vulnerable because they their capacity, I suppose, just to clear all those secretions and getting all blocked up and miserable and things like that um, can affect the, can affect their feeding and, and, and can affect their breathing too. And we've seen in Temple Street that they are under pressure with a number of cases now who just need sort of oxygen and respiratory support. Um, that's sort of the exception. For most people, they're miserable and they get over it. But but it's something I suppose parents just need to be aware of. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, there 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 is no uh, treatment. On, uh, unfortunately, we're also hearing of people who can't shake a cough. Is is that is that after RSV? Do you think? It, it probably is. And 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 there's a well described phenomena of post viral cough where people have an infection. They, they clear it from their chest, they're kind of back to normal, but this cough is just hanging around for weeks and sometimes months. And it's very, very common. And, and it's very bothering because we're all particularly conscious now if we cough particularly in a group or in public. Um, so that, and, and the, the difficulty is people try everything and, and, and honey is as good as anything else. Um, you know, be, it just it just has to go away uh, over time, but it can hang around for weeks, and it's very it's very troubling because people have difficulty sleeping and things like that with it, and it's a very uh, it's a very troublesome symptom for people to have. And then I take it the normal uh, cold and chest infections. There, I mean, this is the time of year for all of those, isn't it? It, it is really, and I suppose we have three things going on at the moment. COVID is kind of bubbling along. It hasn't increased massively, but it has increased a little bit with more social gatherings. So I suppose just be mindful of the Christmas gatherings and parties and things like that. Um, RSV is there and that's beginning to peak now. And flu is beginning to increase um, over the last couple, of, uh, last couple of weeks. And we've seen this year, Australia gets the, the flu before us. Um, and we've seen in Australia this year that there was quite a significant outbreak of flu. So that would tend to suggest that we'll probably have more of a flu this year than previous years. So that's why we're, we're still encouraging people to get the flu vaccine and the, 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 the drops and the, spray, the nasal spray are available for, um, for, for children um, now as well. And I suppose one good news, bit of news, Patricia, is that there is a vaccine now that has just been approved by the European Medicine Agency uh, regarding RSV. It won't be for this year, but hopefully next year, um, that that will be uh, coming down, down down the tracks again because um, that can make a difference, particularly for very small uh, babies and things like that. Okay, that's that's a bit of good news. And then, John, at what point do you go to the doctor? Or, or can over the counter medicine sort you out for a lot of those? Viruses. Yeah, yeah, for the vast majority, um, over-the-counter medicines can, can, can sort, sort, sort people out, calpol, paracetamol, resting. Very often, particularly babies, they like being upright, so they like being in, in, in a buggy or car seat and things, because if you imagine, if you've loads of secretions, you kind of get a choking sensation. I suppose the big things to look out for is if, the, if it's going on for a long time, if the, the baby has difficulty feeding, um, because if you're all blocked up, um, that's, a, that's a sign that they're, that they're struggling. If they're not wetting their nappies, if you feel that they're just in distress the whole time, agitated and just not able to settle, not able to sleep and things. Or then just if you have a feeling that they're just not right and just to themselves. I would always say, you know, it's much better to get them checked. There may not be anything we could do. But if we can check them and if they're OK, if they're worried, it's much better that they're seen rather than not. Yeah, because I saw the the HSE in, in earlier in the week advising parents uh, to try to cocoon babies, you know, particularly young babies under the age of six months, you know, avoid large crowds or avoid having people visit, particularly if, you know, somebody's coming and they're coughing and spluttering, but almost to cocoon the babies over Christmas. 
Yeah, I suppose that advice came really because they're the vulnerable group where if they get RSV, they just find it very hard to struggle and to clear. The older children, you know, these six-year-olds, eight-year-olds and things, they usually bunks back quite well. But the small babies are the ones who are particularly vulnerable just because their lungs are so small and they find it hard to clear the secretion. So I suppose that was just the note of caution, just to be practical and be sensible. And a bit like what we learned over COVID, that if you're coughing, if you're spluttering, if you're sick, not to be going around as much and just to be, you know, mindful of, uh, you know, washing your hands and being careful with people and maybe not holding the baby if you're feeling a bit under the weather, if you've a cold yourself. Yeah, and keep away from from large crowds. And, and you know, it's it's always uh, common at this time of year for GP practices to, to be busy. Are you busier than normal, though, would you say, John? We are. Uh, We've we certainly seen an increase in, in, in babies and, and young, young children presenting. So that certainly has, has, has increased over the last couple of, couple of weeks. But that happens, tends to happen every year. Um, it's not a huge uh, increase more so than other years. OK, listen, thank you for that. Uh, have a great Christmas and uh, uh, thanks for all your contributions throughout the year. Thanks, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Dr. John Sheen, of course, also counsellor uh, John Sheen, but he is a based in a GP based in uh, Blackpool. And I actually saw in the papers today that last week actually saw the highest level of that RSV cases ever recorded. It surpassed even the weekly peak of last winter's uh, severe outbreak. So it is very much doing the rounds at the moment. Uh, so please be careful. Now, people who live on Shirkin Island have a problem with their local bus service. And when you live on a small island like Shirkin, you don't have many other options if your only bus is not running. To find out what's going on, I'm joined by one of the residents from Shirkin Island, and that is Magella Collins. Uh, Good morning to you, Magella. Hello, how are you? Uh, Thanks for having me. Well, listen, you're very welcome. I suppose the background to this, it's, it's an old bus you have been using on the island that's been having a bit of mechanical problems, is it? Yes. I'll tell you, we got a new bus in 2008, right? And it was the last time we had a bus. Uh, and since then, the bus, you know, we have a fantastic service before I start it all. Like, the, we have, uh, I'd say, uh, like, that's why people are upset because the service is so brilliant. And, uh, it, you know, the bus starts every morning at 7 o'clock to meet the 8 o'clock ferry. And ferries go on, there's 9 to 10 ferries a day and more during the winter time. then, you know. Um, so basically what happened is that the bus broke down and it's literally we don't have a mechanic, we don't have a garage. So the bus has to be taken out so it could be gone for two or three weeks. And then they're reluctant to send in another bus. But there was a very nice man in Bantry who gave us a red bus, on, but it's only on loan, right? His mm. name was David and he was very helpful. And so, you know, the, I suppose... Um, there's school children, like we have a population of about 160 now, it's gone up because we have 60 new Ukrainian families, very happy to have them on the island. But, you know, they go to school in the morning and so do all our other local kids and the bus picks them up. And now that we don't have a bus, if it's raining, they have to walk to the ferry and, you know, they'll be wet all day or the secondary school kids as well. Um, so, and... We have a, a degree course on trucking, which every weekend the bus is very valuable to them with bringing their stuff. But I suppose the most important people on the island are people who are living on their own, who might not have a car, who are completely dependent for their shopping and for the social interaction of the bus driver coming. You know, they're very lovely people on the bus that drive it. 
they're very aware of the needs of people on the island. Yeah, and they, they know everyone mm-hmm. and they know where everybody yes. lives and who's living on their own. But but exactly. I'm, think, I, I'm thinking of, you know, we're coming up to Christmas and we, you know, people will be doing their, their Christmas shop, uh, for for example. I mean, are you saying that, pe- that some people will get off the ferry with their shopping and have to then yes. carry it across the island to wherever they yes. live? Yes, if they haven't the bus, because, uh, you know, like, you know, there might be a neighbour that would have a car and people would help. But, you know, if you're getting the field delivery in their heavy boxes, yeah. you know, lifting them from the ferry into the bus is enough to be lifting besides having to carry them or, you know, two people walking up the road with them. And, uh, you know, and it's a nightmare of Christmas trees, the, usual, the things we take for granted when we do have the bus, you know. Um, and, like, we've been given a red, uh, uh, another bus now, but the problem is that will be taken away again. So we're back to square one. We need a new bus or the nearest we can to a, an operating bus that will go, that won't have to be taken out every second week that it breaks down. Yeah, you know? I mean, when you got it in 2008, was it a new bus at that it stage? It was a new bus. Okay. So it's 15 days, years. Yeah. It's It served it you is, well. Yeah. It is, Ted. It has been amazing. And like, it's like one thing about the islands, they don't throw things away. They recycle, they reuse, they re, you know, but this has come to the end of its life. Yeah, yeah. And, and is, like, it, is it a mini bus or is it a big bus? It's an eight seater bus. Oh, it's a small yes. bus. Okay. It's, it's a small it's, little it's bus, small. but it's a great little bus in the sense that, you know, it, it, it's a real lifeline to the community, to, to people who need, you know, and a lot of people, you know, with, uh, uh, we're giving up cars and stuff because we have a rural transport service on the island. So it, it, they're totally stupid because, like, there's one lady living at one end of the island and she has no car, so she's totally dependent. And more than her, there's a lot of people who, you know, might have had bereavements and they're on their own and they, you know... The they rely on the bus. And and you're you're, you're you're doing your bit for climate as well by giving up cars and just using a local bus service. I mean, that's well, I exactly what the, the government islands, have been telling us to do. Yeah, well, the islands were always ahead of, of the posse in the sense that we recycle everything ourselves. You know, we're very much of a, a community that, you know, we don't have a shop. We reuse things. So, and we'd be very, very mindful of the... Planet, and we have a course on shirking that deals with the environment to do with art. So, you know, we're we're we we we're very self-sufficient in that way. And I suppose um, the bus, I mean, it implies people. Mm-hmm. And now the 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 gentleman that I dealt with, uh, David and Bantry, was very very good, and he lent us the the bus that he had spare. But like he can't just magic a bus out of the air. Yeah, either. he can't. He can't just give you a bus. You know, for, yeah, he's he's helping. And, he's helping you out. He's helping. And so now, Carl was very nice. Who's to, responsible? To, is it is it? It's not the council. This is the NTA, isn't it? The National Transport Authority. Yes, you know. Look, the only thing I'll say is that, uh, and I don't want to get into the politics of the bus or anything because I'm only a resident of Shirkin. I'm not involved in the bus in the sense of running it or anything yeah. like that or have any. But it's it's it's. I suppose it's something. The one thing, whoever is in charge of this, they need to kind of decide. Okay, we're doing the best we can to facilitate uh, service to the community, but without a bus, you can't do that. You know, and the bus drivers, they're up in the morning at quarter to seven to, to facilitate the school children and everything. So they're doing all their part of the job, but it is, you can't do it 
without you can't push the bus up the hill if it breaks down putting it it's a vital you know. lifeline is is, <laughs> yes, is there, the way is, you're describing it is, it is it is a vital li- a li- lifeline okay we're going to we'll send an email off to the NTA because obviously they're aware that there is an issue here and just see have they any plans in, and it's like, got to be sooner rather than later oh to get God, a new bus yeah, like, out onto the island exactly and a bus like you know in the ideal world you need a bus that's working but you need a backup bus so that if that breaks down like, there's some all else there. break down like it's like yeah. a car and because we don't have a garage that you can just drive up and get everything reserviced you take the bus off and it goes out on the ferry then if there's problems with weather it mightn't come back for maybe a week or two depending on what the queue in the garage is to you know fix the bus so in that time then we're totally in the dark. You're without, you're without, you're without a bus and I yeah. assume it, over Christmas will the, the population increases do people come home for Christmas? They do. People yeah. come home for Christmas and like we have about 160 at the moment and then you people like all the kids. My son is coming back from Warsaw. There's Great. a whole load of different, uh, you know, people who have family abroad that might come back and like that's when you really need the service to work. But, you know, it, it, I suppose in the summertime it's very busy. There is about 11 ferries a day in the summertime and nine between nine, eight or nine in the winter. I don't know exactly how you because they keep changing and it's a super service the ferry is and the bus always meets the ferry meets every you know, ferry so okay. it has to go to and, every ferry and you, you, you mentioned the Ukrainian families how many Ukrainian families have you did you I say I think we have around 59, 60 and, oh, like and how are very, they how are they settling in they're very we're very happy to have them and we have a great community we have a great um Centre SIDS that help out with after programs in the community hall. A lot of the people in the community are very good. Like they're amazing because they had no choice to come here. They actually just got kind of placed here. Yeah. And some of them might never have been on a ferry in their life or been on an island. Never mind being, you know. Yeah, because a lot of them came from big cities. Yes, yeah. they did, but you know it's hard. Jeepers, like I chose to be here, and I love it here. Yeah. But like it wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea, you know. You cut off in the evening time. But they're an amazing uh, group of people. The people, you know, that the, have come. They and really and are, you know something, Majella, they're mm-hmm. safe. And, very safe. And that's very that's what yeah. they need to feel. God help them. God help them with they what do, they, they what do, they've come I, from. And I would take it, this opportunity to say Shrek and community have been so welcoming. Like well everybody has been so good. Like and that's the reason why I came Shirkin away back twenty five years ago, because the community were so it's like the old days where people looked out for one another, you know, and old especially no matter what age you were, it didn't matter. You were accepted to be have a voice. And I think that's very, very important with the Ukrainians that people give them a voice and then we listen to them and try and help them as best they can. You know, so well said. that's why well the said. And you're you're speaking on behalf of everyone who needs that bus. Listen, before that you go on, as I say, we will get on to the NTA and just uh, see what's happening here. Um, I'm told you're a local artist and I'm told you've got your, is it your first art exhibition in January? I have a big solo show in Ellen in Skibreen uh, on the uh, 13th of January at 2 o'clock. So anyone that would like to come, they'd be more than welcome. And um, and tell me, what, what what kind of art do you do? Can you describe some well, of it? Well, I, I do, uh, my work is painting and I'm doing a, a body of work at the moment, which is about uh, the Alta ship, uh, the Invi Alta, that um, sank in up in, in East Cork. Okay. It came up on the rocks after Storm Guinness. 
and it it's a ghost ship that actually travels from Bermuda right across yeah, the Atlantic. Yeah, we spoke about it on the programme. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So my paintings are based on that journey, that imaginary journey of the ship from once it, you know, and it's, it, it was unmanned, you know, the ship obviously was yeah, unmanned. Yeah, the ghost it went ship, through. yeah. So it's, it's my interpretation of it, which is actually an allegory for, uh, you know, it, it, it's more about um, life and how in one minute life can change. And it's also, I suppose, to highlight, you know, how easily disposed things are, like even big ships, that man just lifts them off. And they're at the mercy. I mean, that ship was blessed that it didn't go into a shipping, you know, lane where it could have caused an accident. You know, all these things. But I looked into all of that. I did a load of research and got lots of, you know, images of even the plans of the boat before it was, you know, as it was being built. I did uh, three years of research. And then my paintings are basically my kind of, it's part. I, I became part of the journey. I used to actually dream about where it became. It's your upset. imagination of yeah, what that. Yeah, yeah it sounds fascinating. Yeah. And it's on in January it's, in Skibbereen. It's on in Ellen in the West Cork Centre yeah. uh, for uh, six weeks, and it it opens on uh, the thirteenth of January at two o'clock. And anybody that would be around on that day doing their welcome to come along. More than welcome. Well, good luck. It's, it sounds absolutely fascinating. Listen, I've loved I've loved our chat, Magella. Thank you for that, Thank and thanks you. for joining us for giving me the time to 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 say. My pleasure. So My much. pleasure. Bye bye, Magella, and many happy returns. That's uh, Magella Collins, who is a resident out on uh, Shirkin. Now we will get on to the National Transport Authority just to see what's happening, and can please let's make their Christmas and give a new bus to the good people of Shirkin. Can I say thank you to Phyllis? It just says Phyllis on the card and I'm assuming that's Phyllis in Dunmanway. I'm open to correction, uh, who has sent on the most gorgeous handmade card for Marcia. It's made by somebody who makes cards in uh, West Cork. She does other hand handmade cards and crafts, uh, a lady by the name of Nikki, who is superly, superly talented. And uh, Phyllis every year gets Nikki to make a, a card. It's got Marcia's name on it, but what is beautiful is if you close your eyes, you can feel it's all tactile. So and obviously Marcia being blind, she to feel uh, things. It's beautiful. So just to Phyllis, thank you for that and the other gorgeous cards that you sent me in today. I really do uh, appreciate it. And somebody has been on to say, and I meant to give a mention to this yesterday, but the show just got busy. To say, Patricia, we've lost quite a few legends in the past uh, few weeks. You know, we've been t- talking about the likes of uh, Shane McGowan, uh, etc. But uh, this listener says, uh, today in Mallow, we very much remember one of our own uh, legends, and that's uh, the late Jude Barry, who's been laid to rest uh, today. Uh, the sister said she was Mallow's queen and she'll be dearly missed around the streets of Mallow. Rest in peace, uh, Jude. Yeah, absolutely. She was a lovely, lovely lady and uh, she'd been unwell for the last year or so and she battles uh, so hard. And I imagine it's going to be a massive, massive funeral uh, today. So, yeah, our thoughts very much with Jude's family as we remember the late great Jude Barry. May she rest in peace. And thank you to that listener for sending in that uh, text. Now, Shay is looking for a bit of help, uh, please. Shay suffers from sleep apnea. You know, when somebody snores quite badly and you get diagnosed with sleep apnea. And once you get diagnosed with sleep apnea, you go on a thing that's called a CPAP machine. 
I'm, I'm nearly sure that's what it's called, but it's basically a mask, as she says in his message to us this morning, that you wear at night. The mask goes over your mouth. It pumps air down through a hose. So, you know, so much per second. And what it does is it keeps the airwaves open and it avoids the person who has sleep apnea. It, it avoids them stopping breathing because by stopping breathing, it could lead to a stroke or a heart attack and so on. Anyway, Shay in his message today says the masks sometimes can go faulty or the silicon edge can tear. He reckons it's probably due to movement in sleep. Anyway, that's what's happened to Shay and his CPAC mask. So he applied for a new mask to be informed by the care company. They can't send them out anymore. Why? The HSE will not pay for them. So Shay is wondering if any of our, any of our other listeners have experienced this. Shay makes the point that surely the HSE knows that they're risking life by this reckless notion of refusing to pay for them. So is anybody else suffering with sleep apnea who has one of these CPAP machines and something in some way the mask gets damaged? And obviously I'm assuming from Shay's text to us that in the past the HSE did pay to replace them. And maybe I'll get John Paul to send an email on to the HSE uh, to find out, you know, why they're not paying for them. And if they're not paying for them, are they expecting people who have the CPAP machines to pay for them themselves? And if so, how much are they? Uh, we'll see if we can get an answer on that. Uh, but thank you, Shay, for drawing, drawing our attention to it. And then a listener says, I hear that the carers are getting a pension if they work for 20 years or more as a carer. Yeah, we spoke about that last week on the programme. Well, while that's great news, they'll come out with probably a little around 250, maybe a little bit more a week. That's what they'll be getting for 20 years at work. Plus, let's not forget all the extra expenses that person incurs uh, by looking after uh, a person with special needs. And then you compare that pension to a a TD's pension. They get a pension even if they're only in there for five years. The longer they stay in government, the more money they will receive. Where's the fairness in that? Carers work far harder than any TD. And P.S. I'm not a carer and I'm not even related uh, to one, uh, but it just struck this listener. Thank you for that. We were talking about the bus on Shirkin Island in the last hour. Can I just say there was a lovely offer in, and I don't know if this is of any use to the good people in Shirkin, but Patrick Donakilty was listening and he said he purchased a bus. Now, the plan was he was going to convert the bus into a camper van, but that plan, for whatever reason, has gone by the wayside. So he was listening to Magella this morning. He said it's a 2001 eight seater minibus. He said he's very willing to give it to the good people of Shirkin and he doesn't want any money for it. He'll give it to them for free. Now he says he would need a mechanic to go over the bus but he said uh, it works well and he'd be happy to hand it over which is a really kind uh, gesture. But I suppose long term the problem is that the bus they had was 15 years old and you know the wear and tear on the island it's a new bus is what they need and I know we've contacted the National uh, Transport Authority and we're waiting on an answer but that's a really really kind gesture from, from you. Thank you for that. And then Massey in West Cork was also listening to Magella and he said, uh, surely the people of, of Shirkin Ireland should be getting on to their local public representatives, the likes of uh, Christopher O'Sullivan or somebody like Senator Tim uh, Lombard and let them raise this at national level and find out and get an explanation as to what is going on with the bus. It's not a difficult problem uh, to solve, really, to be fair. In the grand scheme of things, just hire them a bus for two months while their local bus has been repaired. I think we've now decided that their local bus, Mossy, has gone beyond repair. It's a new bus, is what they actually need. I did hear a mention 
Uh, Councillor Joe Carroll, uh, who is a local councillor in the area who's been particularly helpful uh, to them. But we'll see what we get back from the National Transport Authority. 0818103103. We were talking about crime and in particular retailers who were before Naroctus Trade Committee yesterday just talking from an industry point of view about the surge in robberies and the violence towards their staff and they're saying it's spiralling out of control. But the big issue that the retailers were highlighting yesterday was that a lot of this crime has been conducted by youths, by young people under the age of 18 and they know they can they can just get away with it and that nothing happens to them and if they do go before the courts, even as one retailer said, even if they go before the courts and they get fined, they don't pay the fine and if they get arrested, they're back out in the afternoon and they're back into the same shops stealing again. It's just horrific what is, what is happening. Pat Infomoy says there are two groups of people here who need to take responsibility for this retail theft. Firstly, Pat says it's the shopkeepers, the way they stock items. They're more or less telling people, take it. They need to make it more secure. And Pat, hang on, we all go into shops and I've never got into a shop and seen any item that is screaming at me to rob me, rob me, rob me. I mean, shops are designed in a way to make shopping easier for everyone. I mean, if you want them all locked away behind secure units, it would take ages for anybody to to do their shopping. And I know the nearest I can think about of a system like that is when I used to go to Belarus uh, before Marsha was uh, adopted when you went shopping there everything is in behind you know the, you have to go up to the counter you have to point to something they'll take it off the, chef, the shelf they'll stand with you but shopping just takes forever uh, to do so I don't know if that's the answer but anyway Pat reckons that the shopkeepers need to do something about securing their items but then I think he raises a bigger a bigger issue uh, is the guardian of the child, the parent of the child. Everybody has a guardian. He said use the law to find find them. If they're underage and they're not earning their own money then take the money from their parents or guardians. Take it out of their wages. Take it out of their social welfare. That might, wait, that might make the adults wake up uh, a bit. After this if they can't get them under control then there's only one route left and that is juvenile uh, detention. And Mags says, I think we need some kind of training camp to teach children and teens skills. A little bit like a boot camp or an ar- army camp. As some of these kids, some teens, just don't get off to a good start for a variety of different reasons. And even some of the ones that do get a good start in life. There's lack of maturity in manners and the morals may not be there. Respect, said Mags, is a big thing. Mags remembers when she was small, you would always address an adult as Mr or Mrs or even Sir. Respect for authority has gone too. They must be taught respect. If they have no respect, then surely they won't have any self-respect. We're heading into big trouble with some of the youth of today and we all need guidance. Hard work for them would be good. That's why Mags is suggesting some kind of a boot camp, a training camp, because if you keep them busy and keep their minds busy, it will keep them out of uh, trouble, says Mags. 0818 103 103. And then another listener was on saying, Patricia, I'm just wondering, who was it that suggested referring these young offenders to Tusla? Tusla can barely cope 
cope with the workload they have already. I did say the very same thing when I heard that. It was one of the suggestions that came in from the retailers when they were demanding to the Oireachtas Committee tougher measures for young uh, offenders and they were saying every theft that was carried out by a youth under the age of 16 should be referred to Tusla. And the first thing that sprung to my mind, the very same as you, was how in God's name would Tusla be able to cope with it, particularly with the level of shoplifting that is going on when you're listening to the retailers. 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862103103. C103 Jobs. CCS Security. They are looking for security officers. It's for a site in Clonakilty. Now, there are day and night shifts. It's Monday to Sunday positions. And do you email info at CC? ssecuritysolutions.net EPS in Mallow they've got vacancies for qualified electricians based in the West Cork area training and upskilling opportunities will also be provided you can email jobs at epswater.com or call them at 022 312 an administration assistant is wanted for Mill Street duties to include invoicing stock management and telephone queries email your CV to maraid at millstreetvetgroup.ie and Cow Asian Street Food in Mallow have a vacancy for a full-time waiter or waitress and this isn't suitable for students as the shifts go across weekdays and weekends. Email your CV to cowmanager at gmail.com and cow is spelled K-H-A-O. You'll find all of the details from the jobs we've just announced and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now, Senior Line, which is, of course, Ireland's national telephone service for older people, they say that half of their callers this year say they are dreading Christmas, which sadly can be a very difficult time for some. And MC of Senior Line uh, joins me to talk about this in more detail. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, obviously, a variety of reasons, I imagine, um, for this. I mean, firstly, there's bereavement, uh, and especially if it's your first Christmas. It can be a very tough time, can't it, for people who recently bereaved? Very much so. Uh, loads of research all around that, Patricia. I think the thing about Christmas is it makes everything more so. I think if you're happy and life is good, Christmas is wonderful. And if you're going through a very dark time, Christmas makes it even darker and more difficult. Okay, so, and and what what you did was you got your volunteers to ask their callers in the last couple of months what they felt about Christmas. Was was that how this came about? Yeah, we began, we didn't begin till kind of early mid-November, Patricia, so it isn't a long survey, but with the volume of callers, it's quite, you know, I think it's a very authentic survey. So we began asking our callers, how do you feel about Christmas? Are you looking forward to Christmas? What are you doing for Christmas? And it gave us a very, very rounded piece. And uh, so we weren't that surprised, really, to know that, you know, over half our callers said that they dread Christmas, not looking forward to it. Not all, of course, because, again, it depends on the situation of the caller. But given that so many of our callers are widowed or single or on their own, Christmas can be a difficult time. Yeah, I suppose for those who do live alone, uh, Anne, it can be 
particularly lonely because again they're probably thinking of past Christmases when they would have been in you know the bosom of a family and you know yeah. and a lot of people around so that just adds to it and suddenly they're there on their own yeah and like there, there is something about Christmas isn't there that I'm, in one way it's just another day but it's not just another day because the Longfellow has described Christmas as the secret anniversary of the heart it's a very bittersweet time, you know. And like if you're on your own, but nobody to go out to, they're going to be on your own. You know, that's, the, I mean, if you're on your own and then Christmas is the time where you're rejoining with family, you're in the bosom of it, if you say, and you're warm and everything's grand. Okay, lovely time. You know, though it might be hard to go back home again. But if you're on your own over Christmas, day and evening, can you imagine, you know? No, no one calling and no one to call to. Yeah. Very, very, very hard. Um, I might have told you before, Patricia, I always remember we had a volunteer working on Christmas a few years ago and this gentleman called her and um, he was on his own, going to be on his own and he was kind of quite resigned to about sanguine about it. He was okay and he was talking to Thelma and um, she said, what are you going to do? And he told her, and, and she said he was going to look at some television later on. She said, I said, I'm going to look at television too. Have you got your a guide there? And they got out their guides, and they each looked, told each other what they were going to look at. And then I said, now, when you're looking at that, you won't be on your own, because I'll be looking at it too. Oh, God. Such a was, simple it, thing, yeah. But, but wasn't it love? Yeah, yeah, such, such a simple thing. And, yeah. I, and, yeah. I, and I saw in your press release, and I have to say this broke my heart, because we're very aware that, that a lot of older people will be going to visit, you know, family and will have wonderful, wonderful Christmases. And, yeah. you know, people love having granny and granddad uh, come to stay over and, and, and whatever. Um, but if one of the gentlemen speaking to your volunteers says... And, and I quote, he says, he's wheeled out for the day. They'll put yeah. me in a corner. I don't hear yeah. very well. So I actually feel very out of it. That might yeah. sound ungrateful, but sometimes I feel I'd be better off at home, says Joe. That broke yeah. my heart. Like they, yeah. so, so they think they're doing the right thing. Oh, we'll bring Granddad Joe out for the day. We should plonk him in the corner there. And because he's hard of hearing, he's missing out on all the conversations and nobody's engaging with him. This is it. And I mean, again, you'd wonder what the, com- the relationship has been all year. Do you know what I mean? If there's so little to say to each other, they don't really know him very well and aren't able to engage with them in a way that kind of is just an equal kind of conversation, even if he's hard of hearing. Do you know? Yeah. It, it says a lot out of the of the 364 days, doesn't it? It does, yeah, because I think, you know, the very fact that he used the term, they wheel me out for yeah, the day. So it's exactly. all. And then they're, they're, they're thinking, oh, sure, we're great. We brought Granddad Joe yeah. out, out uh, for, yeah. uh, for the day. Yeah. But I mean, to hear people say, you know, Geraldine says, uh, I hate Christmas. It goes on forever. The television ads, all the happy stuff. You get the impression that everyone's having a marvellous time except you. And even though that's not true, it's depressing. And then others, you know, talk about, the expense of Christmas. Yeah, very, very much so. I mean, the, the Geraldine's point, I think she's probably speaking for so many people, of all ages, actually, I'd say, Patricia, where all the ads, all the visions, all the happy families, all the songs, I mean, it's lovely in one way, but again, if you're not in a good place, it's so hard. Yeah. And are you, are you hearing that on Senior Line, the cost of living? Is it really impacting on, on the older generation, especially we- coming up to Christmas? We are. We are hearing it. Now, it was kind of, 
I was going to say it was kind of worse, you know, last year when people were very worried about higher energy costs. But for good, even though we are getting some uh, relief with those, there's still very much there, you know. And, you know, the, the cost of it, it is biting ever deeper, isn't it? You know, so many of the staple things are going up, you know. And, uh, no, it, it, it's... I suppose the cost of living, Patricia, isn't something to the forefront all the time. You know, it's more like my feelings and loneliness and people. But it's it's a background difficulty that's underpinned so much. Yeah. Because if you have very little money, you can't afford to do some of the things that would give you pleasure. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, in the energy costs in particular, yesterday I had Dara Cassidy on from Bankers.ie and we were discussing the fact that, you know, How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Some of the energy companies are reducing their prices and that's yeah. really welcome. And, you know, 12% mm. drop. You're thinking, oh, God, this is great. And then Dara says, well, hold your horses. It's mm. still 84% higher than what it was three years ago. Oh so goodness. it's, I mean, our electricity bills are, and people are cutting back on using their electricity and older people dread well, getting big bills in. You see, this is it. And as when you're older, you don't generate the same amount of energy. You move more slowly. You know, it's very, very difficult. Your house is probably, may not be centrally heated. So there's so many issues involved, isn't there? Yeah. And and then as well, when we're talking about older people being lonely and, and those that will be living on their own with nobody calling, the added problem at this time of the year, and I assume, is that a lot of their services they rely on will close. Well, that's it. I mean, um, one of the people we're talking about, the number of it, I just chose one, his meals on seal, his meals on wheels 
isn't going to come to him for a few days over Christmas week. And I know for us the services closed down. And you can understand why the statutory services and some of the voluntary ones. But at a time when they're kind of needed most in some ways, they're not around, you know. I mean, this man said, like he said, they, they and I know the Beasley's are wonderful, you know, another volunteer group, and they will provide you with meals in advance to put in your freezer and that. But he said, I mean, the food is lovely, but he said, I don't see the people, you know. Yeah, got to help them. And of yeah. course, the, the daycare centres that people go to, they all, and, yeah. and I understand they have to shut down because people have yeah. to have holidays, but you're right, it's probably at a time when they are uh, needest uh, the no, most. It is and kind then, of counterintuitive, yeah. And then for mm-hmm. there are other older people who uh, are not financially uh, struggling we, you know we acknowledge them as well for those that can afford it I take it some will just go away will they go off to a hotel yeah very much a minority but we've had a, a number of callers saying that they're going to book into a hotel now some of them interestingly because they live on their own they kind of talk about well they find it socially difficult because you're not used to talking to people in some ways you know so they're looking forward to it with a bit of trepidation that's interesting. Is is, is the isolation from COVID still having an effect? Very much so, Patricia. It really, really, really is in all kinds of ways. People's lack of confidence, people just not used to going out, people who used to go out with their friends and those friends don't want to go out anymore. It's, it's kind of, it affects people in all kinds of ways. Still. Uh, you, yeah, you, you, you wonder, will we ever fully, will we ever fully get over it? It's been a seismic piece in our civilization, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and senior line, you're open on Christmas Day. We're open on Christmas Day, and we were just talking to all our volunteers. We had a Christmas lunch for our volunteers yesterday. Very, very happy day. And they're all volunteering to do their few hours on Christmas Day. I mean, people are just lovely, you know. And, um, yeah, we're open on Christmas Day, and... Um, it will be a great day. We're delighted to be there. Talking to one of our volunteers who will be working this year, and she worked at Christmas Day last year, and she said to me, it's a lighter kind of day, Anne. You know, yeah. and I found it myself when I've worked on Christmas Day as well. So it's 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 a real without being too schmaltzy. It is a real privilege to work on Senior Line on Christmas Day. It really is. There's uh, something about it. And people just call just to human contact to, to speak to somebody. Some people call to say thank you and happy Christmas. Okay, that's you know, lovely. Which is yeah. lovely. And then some call, get, we get we get the odd newer caller that's just heard about them. They're there on their own and, and we're thrilled when that happens. And then we get a lot of regular callers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose for, for the general population, we all have elderly neighbours, you know, living down the road, up the road in the, in the housing estate. You know, check in on them and don't always assume that somebody else is going to do it. Exactly so. Don't assume that somebody else is going to do it. You don't know that that's going to happen. And the other thing is a very small point. You know this new RSV, Patricia? Yeah, we were we just, I just had a GP on about it earlier this morning. OK, well, we're concerned about it as well. Again, the number of our callers would kind of, gra- the newborns would be quite small at the particular category of, of family but there will be a few who had intended going out and seeing family and they're not able to now so we would ask neighbours and friends to be aware of that that there might be somebody who thought he or she would be having a lovely day and they're, they're going to be at home now so would you, would you think of phoning and finding out if that's the case 
and seeing are they okay and would they like to drop into you or would they are they okay for some food or from stuff fuel or could you take them to midnight mass all that kind of stuff yeah and we all cook so much on Christmas Day there's always yeah. room for somebody else to pull Very up much pull, so. pull up a chair yeah and actually when we spoke about RSV um, RSV this virus uh, and it is particularly uh, scary for children, for young children and we've got babies ending up in hospital I mean the HSE during the week were actually advising parents particularly with newborn babies and babies under the ages of six months yeah. to, to cocoon them this year and therefore yeah. have no visitors and that they knock were. on effect is then some grannies and granddads will be getting the phone to a phone call to say yeah, you can't say come sorry. with you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's tough. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. Okay, no. listen, no. Anne, it's a pleasure as always. one eight hundred eighty forty five ninety one. Thank you so that's much. That's your number and you're, you're ten, 10 to 10, isn't it, every day? 10 to 10 every day. Delighted 10. to hear from you. Don't be on your own. We're here. Okay, listen, have a, have a wonderful Christmas. And, and best, you. Best wishes to all of your volunteers. You're an amazing bunch. Thanks for joining many, us, many Anne. thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's so wonderful. Anne uh, Dempsey of Senior Line. And please, if you are on your own and you want to reach out and you just want to talk to somebody, remember at Senior Line, it's seniors answering the phone. So you're talking to somebody who will very much know and understand uh, what you are going through. one 800 80 91 And they run that service 365 days a year from 10 in the morning until 10 at night. And as Anne said, that includes uh, Christmas. Fidelma was on to say she goes to her son and daughter-in-laws uh, for Christmas and should they're ever so good to her well done well done and should I get on great uh, with them particularly get on well with her daughter-in-law but she says the problem that she has at Christmas is that her daughter-in-law's family also come on that day and she said to be honest I don't know them that well and after dinner she said we all hand out presents and I feel obliged to buy presents for the in-laws even though it's just names that I know and I feel awkward as I don't know their taste I don't know if I'm buying the right thing uh, or not plus says Fidelma it is putting an added cost on uh, which is a problem I'm wondering do others uh, have what you should try and suggest via your son and daughter-in-law if you get on with your daughter-in-law is maybe try and suggest that you do a Chris Crindle might be a little bit late to do it for this year but if there's a big gang of you you could do a Chris Crindle for next year so that everyone just takes one name somebody does the draw everybody gets one name and you only buy for that one person maybe suggest that because there are a lot of people uh, going down that option particularly with the cost of living and it certainly cuts down on the cost of having to buy so many Christmas presents. Thank you for your call, Avidelma. Two young Irish men, one very much with West Cork roots, are undertaking a 4,800 row kilometre row across the Atlantic and at the same time they're going to raise funds for youth mental health charities. Mark Bulger is one of those undertaking the challenge and his dad Charlie lives in Baltimore. Now yesterday Charlie took time out to uh, speak about his son's epic journey and he spoke with our news reporter uh, Stephen Fox and Stephen started off by asking Charlie to explain about the journey and where they were actually starting from. We're in San Sebastian in Lago the starting point. It's called the Atlantic Challenge. Their tagline is the world's toughest row. They say that more people have climbed Everest every year than have ever rowed across an ocean. Now, that will change in time because there's more and more people doing this. There's, this year, there are 98 people are doing it in fives, fours, threes, twos and solos as well. Mark Bulger is doing it in a four. The reason they go from here is that, in fact, this is the, the way to get the, the good winds and currents to get you across to the Caribbean. Christopher 
Christopher Columbus set off from here. They actually, when they leave here, they go south, believe it or not, to try and get into the trade winds. Although they haven't got sails, it's much easier to row with the wind behind you than with, with the wind in front. What was the impetus behind Mark deciding to do this? That's an interesting question. He'd never rowed in his life, despite living part of his life down outside Skibbereen in Baltimore. He'd never actually rowed at all. He had a school friend who organised this and a person pulled out. One of their teammates pulled out about this time last year and Amir, who was in school with him, rang him and said, Mark, you're a sailor. You know the ocean. Would you like to row the Atlantic with us? And Mark thought about it for about a day or so and I said, yeah. So he immediately lost stones and weight and then put it back on again <laughs> as he got fit. It wasn't on fit, but the level of fitness required for this is something different. You know, they don't pull like a dog, you know, they row with a fairly slow rate, but for a very long time. When they go into the gym, they do two and a half hours on the rowing machine nonstop, which is about what they do when they're out. They do two hours on, two hours off. That was the impetus. It was just somebody called him and asked him and he said, yes. I'm trying to myself in that position and just thinking, guy that I went to school with brings me up and says, would you like to row across the Atlantic? I think I might need more than a day to come to an agreement with it. Two of their teammates are Dutch as well, I see. Amir is Irish, Mark is Irish, Marco is German actually, and Paul is Dutch. The other three guys were studying in Delft University in the Netherlands, and that's the connection really. So Mark actually moved over to Delft for the last eight or nine months. He worked from there. He works for a sustainability company. He's not working for them now at the moment, obviously, but he was. He's taken a leave from them. He's actually resigned his job. He may go back, but he couldn't for the last month or so. He couldn't concentrate on work and on getting this organised. So how long do they expect? the road to take the record is 30 days they'll be having to fish when they get to 50 days so hopefully somewhere between that they're hoping to be under 40 days the weather this year looks okay for the first half at least winds look good and the currents look good they'll make land then in the Caribbean is the plan yeah in English Harbour in Antigua which is as I say hopefully in about 35 days we haven't booked our trip out there yet we've been told not to until we get some updates as to when they might be there organisers will tell us and it's highly organised they're a very 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 good organisation in terms of how they run it the communication and the safety they have a call every day between one and three with each of the teams on the sat phones to see how they're getting on see are they all okay and even are they mentally okay because it's as much a mental challenge as anything else you know I was having a look alright like there's a considerable amount of teams taking part yeah there's 38 teams it's a big organisation they have one yacht that is a support yacht out in the Atlantic but realistically they'll spread out so much that the support yacht is highly unlikely to be anywhere close to you if anything goes wrong but the boats are very very safe we had a briefing for families and they told us if you cut the boat in two you'd have two pretty poor boats but they wouldn't sink very heavy as well by the way watching the solar rowers going out trying to move the heavy boat I mean they're obviously on a smaller boat but it's not it's not light they'd be out there on Christmas day obviously as well Mark took some Christmas cake and Christmas pudding with them they all have their little treats you know for Christmas day but everything vacuum packed and weighed and kept down to the minimum you know they row in pairs and they have an auto helm on the boat the, the boat will steer itself to a direction if they want to they can hand steer it as well. One of the things is to try and get onto waves. Obviously, if you can get onto a wave and surf down a wave, you'll go faster, but you have a much bigger risk of capsizing. Now, when they capsize, they will self-right, but it makes a bit of a mess. Everything goes everywhere and you've got to tidy up before you go on again. And you're wet and maybe cold. And how did he feel setting off? Their start time was changed a couple of times. They were waiting for the weather window. They didn't want a southerly wind, which would be blowing them back onto the shore and to the other Canary Islands. Not so much for the 
fours who could probably row their way solo rowers they don't want a wind blowing them onto a shore so they had to wait till the wind turned round and it was coming from the north then more or less they've set off in a pretty good wind now the last thing then would be just how do you feel about it yourself look I think the boats are quite safe I, I wouldn't be worried about it it is like anything in life there's an element of risk but I think they have mitigated the risk so well the boats are very very big and solid I mean if you're going to choose something to be easy to row across the Atlantic this wouldn't be it it's a solid boat there's four of them someone gets sick they can keep going they have the communications every day the only thing is there is no rescue in in effect if something goes wrong they are dependent on getting picked up by you know a passing yacht or a passing ship of some sort that's the only risk there's no real possibility of another boat rowing coming to rescue them because it just won't fit on the boat that's the only risk but I wouldn't be worried about it like all of our family have sailed you know my youngest daughter is out in Newport at the moment she's going to the Caribbean she's working on an 80 foot sailing yacht so she's been across the Atlantic Mark has sailed since he was seven I would be fairly happy that he'd know the right thing to do the other guys they're going to get a bit more of a shock when they when the sun rises tomorrow morning and they're out of sight of land and they're middle of the, in the middle of the ocean for Mark that won't be an issue it might be after 20 days <laughs> but not at the start whereas the other guys just have to learn that they're out in the middle of nowhere here and they just have to keep going in a particular direction till they eventually hit Antigua and they probably won't see another soul in yeah. the meantime it is actually a race as well there is an element of race about it they will be keen to do well in the race they're the youngest crew by some distance Paul is only 20 or 21 I think I think he's the youngest person out there there has been a younger one before but on this occasion he is the youngest person and they're all like 27, 26, mm. 25 and 21 or something like that. How old is Mark? He's 26 years old. And they're also raising funds for charity, obviously, as you probably saw on the website. The Irish one is Jigsaw. There's also a Dutch one as well, which is fairly similar, in fact. It's called Mind Us. It's the same kind of idea. So it's for youth mental health. And they're raising funds for that. So anyone would like to go to the GoFundMe page, Team Out of the Blue, much appreciated. You can also follow their progress on either their Instagram or there's a thing called Yellow Brick. Or if you go onto the Play Store and, and go to YB Races, it's an app that follows mainly youth yacht races so you can see where they are I think it's updated every four hours or so the problem for us the people who've seen them off and their families is to try not to look at it too often you could spend every hour of every day looking at it to see where they are That was an incredible chat Uh, thanks to Charlie Bulger uh, dad of Mark Bulger for taking time out to talk to our news reporter Stephen Fox and we will uh, keep uh, updated with uh, Charlie we will certainly after Christmas we'll link in with him again just to see how Mark and the team are doing but it's an incredible uh, thing an incredible challenge uh, to take uh, take on as I say it is known as the world's toughest row across the Atlantic and we wish them uh, the strong winds and the strong winds in the right direction to push them across the Atlantic. C103's Christmas Covered. With Super Value gift cards. Perfect for every occasion. Available in store or online for e-gift cards that can be sent with a personal message. Search Super Value gift card. Now you can stop texting us for our Christmas Covered because we put all the entries into a hat. And I'm going to Ballyhooley where I'm joined by Helen Sheehan. Good afternoon, Helen. Hello, Patricia. How are you? T- how are you today? I'm good, thanks. Better now even for this call. <laughs> <laughs> and is everyone in Ballyhooley ready for Christmas? Uh, yeah, we're getting there. We're nearly ready, yeah. Maybe. yeah. All, all the presents. All getting, all getting over the flu, but we're getting Oh, there. God. And we were yeah. only talking with um, Dr. John Sheena. It's everywhere, them. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the cough is terrible. Yeah, yeah. 
And I've noticed that I'm hearing a lot of people getting COVID. And I've, I've, two people I know never got COVID, escaped it over all the years of the pandemic, and two people have come down with it. So did we can't... I got it in October myself, and I thought I'd escaped it. Yeah. And I got it in October, and I was really sick with it. I was three weeks without driving. Whoa. So Whoa. And yeah, then you, yeah. you got the flu after that? And then I got the flu oh, now, yeah. I'm not getting any younger. I but do you know what it is now, Helen? It's yeah. all out of the way for Christmas. Hopefully. And you'll, and you'll be fine. Start. Okay, I've got a, a question for you now, uh, Helen. Uh, that, uh, getting this correct, you'll be our qualifier. Dermot Kennedy, the singer, previously topped the Irish charts at Christmas with a hit song. Was it called A, Smallies, or B, Giants? And if you need a hint, go big. Or Giants. It is indeed. Well done. Congratulations to you, Helen. Okay, I'll pass pass your name on to Martina now and you'll be in the draw. Four of you in that draw this afternoon. Keep the phone switched on. You might get the call after six. Have a lovely day. Many happy returns. Take care. Bye bye. What a lovely lady. That's Helen Sheehan in Ballyhooley, like a lot of families trying to get over the various flus that are doing the rounds at the moment. Okay, we will have another qualifier for Christmas covered with Nick, and then our fourth and final qualifier with Martina, and then the draw is made after six to decide who wins a 500 euro festive shopping spree with uh, C103's Christmas covered uh, with Super Value gift cards. And tomorrow, by the way, is the last day of our competition. So you've just got a few more opportunities to enter and win. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. I can see some questions coming in about recycling. Keep those coming in because we're going to be talking about the deposit and return scheme. Jane Pickett, our resident vet, is not with us this week. She'll be back with us next Thursday. So instead, we're going to look at this deposit and return scheme. I think it's the 1st of February it's coming in. If you've been doing any shopping lately, particularly in the large supermarkets, you'll see these big machines have been installed. Usually as you're going into the supermarket, you'll see them. They're called reverse vending machines because rather than buying something from them, you're going to be putting something into them. So we'll find out all about the deposit and return scheme. But if you have any particular question about it, get it into John Paul 0818 103103 uh, you can text or WhatsApp me here to 0862 103103 some of your thoughts are coming in we were talking about the retailers who are demanding for tougher action uh, because they are seeing a wave of shoplifting going on but particularly they're focusing in on gangs of young uh, people and what's really worrying is some of these young people are carrying weapons so some of the staff in these uh, shops have had a knife pulled on them, they've been punched, they've been kicked, they've been slapped, they've been spat at and you know for some people it's just it's hugely intimidating to go to work knowing that you're fearful of a gang of young guys coming in or girls coming in who should know uh, better. Eddie said and a lot of people are saying which the point I made was where are the parents? You know, Do do the parents know what their young people are getting up to when they're out in gangs like that? Uh, Eddie said he was in a store last night and there was a mother walking in the aisle and she had a little fellow with her. Now Eddie reckons a little fellow three or four you know a little bit older than a toddler, but a small little lad, not quite at school yet, maybe a preschool. And he was, you know, idling along, walking behind uh, the mother. And the mother was doing her shopping. Now, Eddie said he somehow managed to get one of the shopping uh, baskets. But Eddie said what he was doing was he was literally just knocking things off the shelf and dropping them onto the ground. Mother was oblivious to what was going on behind her. When eventually she did turn around and see what the little lad was getting up to, all she said was, where'd you get the basket from? <laughs> 
never paid any reference to the amount of items that were lying on the ground on uh, the aisle. And it just struck Eddie when he was hearing us talking today. If you're letting young people get away with that kind of behaviour at that age, that surely will just lead to even worse behaviour when they get older. And I know before anyone jumps in and says, you you know, you don't know what's going on in in that little child's life and you can have children with challenging behaviours and they may look perfectly normal, but they may have challenging behaviours. I accept that. But for the mother to completely ignore the items that were on the ground, whether he has challenging behaviours or not, he should be taught that, you know, you don't knock things off the shelf. Because can, can, can I say that even with, with Marsha, who's, who's blind, I have to really keep a very close eye on Marsha when, when we're in shops because obviously her hands are her eyes and, and we do this thing where we do gentle hands. You've got to be very gentle. And every now and again, she will knock something off the shelf. And I've gotten into the habit with her of, I help her to pick her up. I'll show her on the floor where it is. And I get her to put it back up on the shelf. I think she should even understand, even though it was an accident that she knocked it down, she has to pick it up and replace it. And I've been doing that for so long with her. I was <laughs> I was in a shop uh, last week with her and she, with her foot, felt something on the ground and picked it up and then felt to see, it was, a, it was somebody who dropped a book and she felt to see where it was from and she fixed it back perfectly onto, onto the shelf and, and I, left, I, left her, I left her do it. And actually somebody came up and thought she was working in the shop and went out ask her a question and then when they looked at her they realised <laughs> that she was blind uh, but you know but it's you know even with a, a child that is has very special needs I've even managed to teach her you don't knock things off a shelf you need to pick it up so yeah that mother was wrong she should have you need to teach children children need to learn that that's not acceptable behaviour someone else is saying the closing of Spike Island that that was a disaster it cost millions to revert it into a visitor centre and then it's a visitor centre that's only open for six to eight months of the year. We are in a position where we don't have enough prison spaces particularly we don't have enough spaces for young offenders and they know these young lads and lassies know that they'll get off with just a rap on the knuckles. People living alone are also terrified of these new brand of what this listener calls uh, wasters. And one of the Limerick shopkeepers said that, that they can get arrested in the morning and they'll be brought down, charged and they'll be back out on the streets again in the afternoon. And he said, even if they do go before the courts and they get a fine, he said they don't pay the fine. It's like, yeah, I don't know what happens there with young people who are not working. How, how do you get the fines uh, out of them? Someone else says the lads and lassies robbing are, sh- are robbing shops everywhere. They have to be taught basically what is right from wrong. They are the very basics of humanity and uh, life. But the sister says, let's look at it from another way. There can be all kinds of addictions involved. Some of these young people, you know, maybe addicted to substances, maybe addicted to uh, alcohol. Listener is suggesting that maybe he Hypnosis can be used by a professional hypnotist to accept and retrain them psychologically uh, to know what is right from wrong. Even if it only reduced theft by 33%, surely it will be worth a try. Thanking you, uh, Trish. And then when we were talking about the loneliness amongst some people, a listener says, Patricia, COVID has left a big difference in people's attitude. I've noticed when I'm out and about walking, people will revert to their phone and many are doing it just to avoid even saying hello to somebody. Nobody wants to engage in conversation. To be honest, I don't go out anymore. I drive to the supermarket. I'll park in the car park just to remind myself of what life was like before uh, COVID. Sometimes I'll just sit in the car park and watch the world uh, go by. Isn't that, isn't that really, really sad? And I know 
we've there's been ads and the government have run ads trying to get older people to go out there and to reconnect and to get back out there into life because it's a great big beautiful world out there and sometimes I think we need to the, if the world won't come to us you know we need to go out and try and integrate as well and you know maybe get back involved in things that you used to do before uh, COVID or maybe join something you know or volunteer the you know, there's fantastic charity shops always looking for volunteers lots of organisations looking for volunteers but maybe go out there and re-engage with the world because it really is a, a big big beautiful world uh, out there and then congratulations to Kate by the way Kate was just on to say she got a letter this week to tell her she won 75 euro in the prize bonds <laughs> She's, she is a happy lady uh, we spoke about prize bonds during the year didn't we and, and usually any time we mention the prize bonds we'll get some listener who ring up to say I haven't won in ages and then lo and behold the following week they'll, they'll get a win on the prize bonds but uh, yeah I haven't had a win on the prize bonds in absolutely uh, years and it's Tuesday if you get a letter it's it's Tuesday the letters come out from because I think the draws are done on a Monday and they put them in the post so it's Tuesday morning if you're going to hear so if you get a nice letter on a Tuesday about a prize bond it normally is to tell you you have won money congratulations to you uh, Kate don't go mad now spending that money 75 euro could change your life be careful with it. 0818-103-103. Can I just say, there's a picture on, I think it's the Irish Times, they have a front page uh, picture of a group of people uh, queuing. And I looked at it and said, what are they, they queuing for? And then when I read further about it, it's uh, more than 3,000 people yesterday, including mothers with babies and mothers with school children, school children with their school bags on their backs so they were on the way to school, queued up. Now, some the queue started at 4am yesterday morning and it was outside the Capuchin Day Centre in uh, Dublin's city centre. And the reason that the queue was so long, this they do it every week, they give out food parcels. But the reason the queue was so long was yesterday was the day that they give out the Christmas food uh, vouchers and over 3,000 people uh, turned up. Now, they started queuing from four in the morning, even though the centre didn't open until uh, seven. Now, they handed out the usual weekly food uh, parcels, but the, yesterday they, they knew there was going to be more because of the annual Christmas uh, vouchers. People seemingly kept arriving right throughout the morning, which meant that they were the queue remained long all day and it swelled seemingly several times and at one point the local Gardaí got involved and they were stewarding the people just to make sure that the queue was uh, moving along but it, it's kind of a heartbreaking photograph to see but it is showing that the cost of living is biting and is affecting what it's not affecting everyone some people are getting on fine with their lives there are other people that are really struggling but t- for me to hear that some of the mums had children in buggies and had children on the way to school and they you know got out early so that they could get into the queue get their bits and pieces get their Christmas voucher and then drop the child off uh, to school I mean what kind of a memory is that for a child in the lead up to Christmas as I say that was in the the front page of the Irish Times and then on the front page of the Echo our own Katrina Toomey is uh, talking to the uh, Echo from the Cork Penny Dinners to say she's received three letters from children who attend uh, the charity with their parents in recent days and they're not letters to Katrina. She's picking up their letters for Santa Claus and uh, as Katrina has explained, she's a good friend of Santa Claus so she does her best best to pass on the letter and she actually's promised to all the children she'll personally deliver the uh, letters to, to Santa Claus on their behalf. And then to the Echo, she read out an extract from one of the letters. 
This is from a little six-year-old boy who has a special wish for a bike for Christmas. And you can imagine this being written in a little six-year-old's handwriting. It says, Dear Santa, I'm writing to you because I want to let you know what I want for Christmas. All my friends have bikes, but I never had a bike for a big boy. I had a bike when I was a small boy. But I never had a big boy's bike. Isn't that just heartbreaking? Now, Katrina says, very difficult to see children coming into their service of Cork Penny Dinners with their little handwritten uh, letters. And she described how it broke her heart um, last year when a little boy arrived into the charity and he was looking for the Pokemon trading cards. And anyone with small small boys and girls will know what these Pokemon trading cards are. And uh, she explained that due to the family's financial difficulties, the child was facing a very bleak, bleak Christmas uh, period when they'd come into the facility. And uh, he showed up at the charity premises, but it was just two days before Christmas. Now, you know, it was getting very close to a lot of the toys, the shops were closed and might be selling these Pokemon uh, trading cards. And she said, you know, she really thought, oh my God, am I going to have a problem uh, here? But she said, and luckily there was one of the volunteers with the charity uh, was able to help Santa to sort the Pokemon cards. And she said they all felt it was a little bit like a a Christmas uh, miracle. And she said the organisation is, as always, hoping to spread the same kind of happiness to families who find themselves in very, very dire circumstances. She said, speaking of the pain of seeing this year's Santa letters, she said it is more than difficult. She said it's absolutely horrible. She said you'll have a grandmother or a mother handing them in to us to see is there any way that we can help. Now, she said they do get requests for some very large items, you know, like um, PlayStations, etc. And she said, you know, realistically, we don't have the money to get any of the big toys but she said we do our very best to try to get what the little children uh, want and she said another of this year's letters came from a little boy who said uh, the, let- the letter just said Dear Santa I will leave you a cookie for Christmas and a carrot for Rudolph and he was looking for a tablet you know like uh, an iPad and uh, she said she told the parents she's going to bring that letter to Santa and she's going to do her very very best to make sure that Santa gets it on uh, time and then when she was asked about you know how busy uh, are they she said the Christmas rush is just so sewing showing no signs of wavering. She's also expecting that there'll be a few more of those Santa letters delivered between now and uh, Christmas Eve and she said the last thing she wants to do is to let anybody uh, down. And she said other Christmas letters this week are kids looking for Paw Patrol merchandise. And she's got some girls who are looking for dolls, prams. And she said we do get wonderful donations of, you know, small presents like books and things from the general public. But she said we don't get a lot of dolls in uh, prams. You know, that's kind of one of the bigger uh, presents. But they're continuing to do the best that they can again this year. They're a wonderful, wonderful organisation. And I did mention, you know, there are some people who are not financially suffering this year and are doing quite well. And if you are planning on maybe giving to charity this year, you can't, you can't go far wrong with maybe a donation to Cork's Penny Dinners. 0818 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council reminding you to support local when choosing gifts this Christmas. Carrigaline Alzheimer Cafe is going to be held this afternoon between 3 and 5 p.m. It's in the Carrigaline Family Support Centre. This month's uh, guest speaker will be from Allied Irish Bank. They will speak on safe banking for vulnerable people. 
You can call Karen at 087 34875 Community uh, Lottery Next Draw will be held in the Community Centre this afternoon at four, or the Community Office at four. Jackpot is €11,600. An evening of carols by candlelight. Doesn't that sound wonderful? It features Cormor Ella and local talent will be held tomorrow Friday between seven and half past eight in St Peter's Church in Drumahan. Now there'll be a raffle afterwards in Hickey's Bar. Tickets are €15 and proceeds are for the Drumahan Community Park. And the raffle for the Dogs for the Disabled will be held on tomorrow Friday in the Townhouse Cafe in Donorail. That's at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. There's hampers and vouchers to be won. Tickets are on sale at Donorail Post Office, Donorail Pharmacy and the Ugly Duck Hair Dressers. And Fremont Music and Drama Group are presenting a night of music, song and dance and laughter in the Fremont Community Centre tomorrow night and again on Saturday. Show starts at half seven. All proceeds going to Fremont Community and to the wonderful Cork Penny Dinners. Cork Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Build as the biggest change to consumer recycling habits since the plastic bag levy was introduced. The country's new deposit and return scheme will be introduced from the 1st of February of next year. To explain how it will operate, I'm joined by Neve Kelly and Neve is Head of Marketing and Communications at Return and Return is the, the not-for-profit organisation which is responsible for the scheme. Good afternoon to you Neve. Good afternoon, Patricia, and thanks for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. Now, I suppose to get the background to all of this, it's part of the European Union's single-use plastic directive, isn't it? It is. I suppose everything that's happening in the EU as regards circular economy projects and climate change, that what they're trying to do, and I hope we're trying to do here as well in Ireland, and has been very good through government, is to introduce projects and initiatives that will help people in terms of valuing resources and recycling and reusing as much as possible. So you've got reverse vending machines. Are they being installed all over the country? They will be. And just to even, I suppose, uh, Patricia, to give it context, um, we've been engaging with retailers and producers for the last 18 months for the launch of this scheme on the 1st of February. And retailers who have registered and they've been brilliant over the last 12 months is they can either have one of three options. If they're a smaller retailer under 250 square metres, they can apply for a take back exemption. But as you said, then if they are taking back the empty containers, they have two options, either through what's called a reverse vending machine or they can take them over the counter either. And they will be throughout Ireland. So if you or I go into a shop from the 1st of February and buy a a bottle of Coke or 7-Up or lemonade with a return logo, we pay a small deposit on top of the product price and we can return it to any shop nationwide that takes back the empty containers. Yeah, because I, I mentioned earlier that you were coming on the programme and I think that's the the, the, the most question uh, that we, we keep getting in from people. Do you have to go back to the shop that you purchased it from? And the answer is no. It's kind of, for, for, no. for a certain generation, we'll remember the old days with the glass bottles when we, you could return them anywhere. And yes, get- yes. And I think it's the same kind of concept, Patricia. It's valuing and putting a, a value on that bottle and can because these are really, really good, high quality 
plastic and aluminium material. And a bottle can be recycled up to seven times and an aluminium can can be recycled infinitely. So if everybody, you know, realises the extent of this and we have some great people doing a lot of recycling, but we need to reach those EU recycling targets. And one of those is 90% by 2029. And we're probably only at around a little over 60% at the moment. Now, how much will the levy be, Neve? Well, Patricia, it is a fully refundable deposit. And I would like to say that to people. It's very important that this is not just a cost that they cannot get back. To me, the only consumer that will lose out is the one that doesn't bring back their empty bottle or can. But to answer your question, between 150 mils and 500 mils is an extra 15 cent and over 500 mils up to three litres is 25 cent. And again, fully refundable and it's drinks containers. So it's not any, you know, kind of dog food or shampoo or anything like that. It's drinks containers that you and I would have on a daily basis. Okay, you're again answering some of the questions that are coming in. People are asking about the the, the dog and, and cat food ones and, and the shampoo bottles and the detergent bottles and, and cooking oil. You You still recycle those the way we're doing at the moment. You would. It's it's, And I think, Patricia, the whole idea here is that what we drink ourselves, so the drinks containers in what's called a PET plastic bottle, an aluminium can, they're a really, really high quality and they are very precious and they're very valuable. So that's why they're separate to what we would put in the recycling bin once the deposit return scheme starts and they can be recycled and reused for a large number of time afterwards. Caller says, do you need to wash them out before you return them? No, to be honest, Patricia, I mean, finish your drink. That's it. You know, if there's, that's all. If, you know, as normal, um, I don't think there's any point wasting water. They don't need to be rinsed. They do need to be undamaged, though. I would say that's important. And to me, that's probably one of my biggest learnings. Do not crush the can. It has to be in its original state. And part of the reasoning there is that if you do bring it back to the shop, first of all, we need to be able to see the return logo. And also when it goes into the reverse vending machine, they need to be able to know that it is a can that's within the scheme and they can read the barcode on it. Yeah, I think that's the one because when when we are putting, certainly when I'm putting it into my, my curbside recycling bin, we crush everything to make sure that you get as much yes. as you can into the bin. So this is going to be an important one. Don't crush the bottle or the can. And actually one of... Um, it's my local Aldi supermarket. They took part in, in a pilot last year where we were encouraged to bring back our cans and, and our bottles. And that's where I learned about it. They wouldn't accept it. It won't go into the machine if it's crushed, the can or the bottle. So you need to leave them in. Yeah, the and it them. is. And, and Patricia, as you said, it's something you would automatically do. I yeah. do appreciate it's an extra effort by everybody. But we've seen and, you know, abroad across Europe, there are 14 schemes. Some of them have been running since the late 90s. I think Germany was early 2000s. But they're all doing extremely well in terms of EU recycling because they've put this value on the containers. And the the reverse vending machine is generally the way, as I said, some retailers will opt for over the counter. But if it's through a reverse vending machine, 
it has to be empty and undamaged. Do you leave the lid on or off for the bottles? Either way, you can, let's say, they, if you leave the lid on, great, it's an extra bit of recycling that will be done. If you don't have it, it doesn't matter at all. OK, listen, say I'm just wondering if every shop has to take back the cans and bottles. I run a cafe slash canteen slash shop slash takeaway premises. Do I have to take the cans and the bottles back that I sell? Not at all. Um, what I would say is to any retailer who hasn't already registered, please do so now because legally anybody who sells the in-scope stock, which are the bottles and cans between 150 ml and three litres, has to register. But once you register, then you can apply for this take back exemption. So that caller that you've in there who has a cafe come takeaway, they should be eligible for a take back exemption. But once if you want to talk to any of the membership team, they'll bring you through the registration process. You will display a poster that will tell all of your customers that you have a take back exemption. And that will show, Patricia, a QR code and also the website address, which brings you to a map of Ireland that shows you where every deposit return point is nationwide. OK, we've got Janet, who is very good at recycling things at home, she says in her text. Why do we have to pay extra and then have to bring it back to the shop? You are going to get people who are going to find this inconvenient, Neve. Yeah, yeah. And I don't disagree with you, Patricia. It is an extra effort. And I do appreciate I recycle myself. I use the recycling bin. I think the introduction of the deposit return scheme, there are two elements why this is better, is that you have mixed and dry recycling in your recycling bin. And the separate collection, as I said, of both the PET plastic bottles and the aluminium cans is a much higher quality. So they're more valuable. And it's actually easier and more efficient to collect them separately, but also there's no chance of cross-contamination. And what I mean by that is inevitably what happens in a lot of recycling bins is that there's some bit of food or let's say a pizza box that has something left at the end of it. And what happens is that there's contamination across that full fill. Mm -hmm. So this separate collection is a higher quality and there's no cross-contamination. But it is an extra effort and I do appreciate that. OK, Miriam's asking, how do you get the money back? Is it a voucher or do you physically get your cash back? You can do either or. And again, it depends on your retailer. If they are taking back the deposit returns, it's either over the counter. So the retailer, the shop assistant will look at your bottle or can. If it has the return logo, you will have paid a deposit on it and you are entitled to that deposit back. You can use it against store purchase or you can get your money back. Then there's for reverse vending machines, you pop in all of your bottles and cans. You're issued with a voucher and you bring that voucher up to the till. And again, you can use it against anything you buy or you can get your money back. OK, Joe and Kim Maddox says, I feel this is another tax on people. How many people will actually take the plastic bottles and cans back? Uh, will the extra money go back into revenue? Why not charge the companies that make the plastic and make the aluminium cans? Very good question. And, and overall, what I would say is, Patricia, this is what's called an extended producer responsibility scheme. So the producers who are placing the products on the market actually pay for every unit that's placed on the market. 
but also in terms of European-wide, these deposit return schemes have really been shown to be very, very good at increasing the recycling rates. And I think for all the people who are very good at recycling, there's also over 30% of the bottles and cans at the moment that are either going to landfill or are thrown on the ground. And I mean, we all know that glitter is a huge problem. We have tidy towns, we have a lot of community people doing a lot of work. So what's been shown is the people who are on the go and who may throw them or, or whatever, that they're actually going back to their nearest shop and getting their money back. And that's where I think there's there's two aspects here. It's not just the people who recycle, but it's the people on the go and European research and all of the schemes that are in operation show that it really does work and it's very practical. Well, I know I've spoken to people who are involved in Tidy Towns and they think it is brilliant because the amount of bottles and cans that they end up picking up every single week when they're out doing their, their litter picking. And, and let's just hope that we can stop all of that. Somebody says, what about beer cans? They're included. Yeah, again, they, they would be included. Um, anything between the 150 ml and three litres, if it's an aluminium can, yes, it will be included in the scheme. How much extra, says somebody, will we pay for bulk buy of 24 cans of minerals, says Anne? Well, that'll be 24 by 15 if it's the small cans, won't it? It will be, yes. Yeah. So it it is an outlay. And again, I do totally appreciate this. It is an outlay. But again, this is all to do with incentivising and making sure that if you buy something, that if you bring it back, you will get your money back. It's kind of, I think somebody had said before, and I thought it was a great kind of idea, it's you buy the drink, but you borrow the container. <laughs> and, good, you know, it's, it's really an, alumi- yeah. Yeah, an aluminium can can be recycled infinitely. So it just energy wise and valuing our resources is something that I think everybody now really realises that we have to be more conscious of it. I do know it's an extra effort and I do appreciate it, but I think it's something that's very, very well worthwhile for the long term. Hi, uh, Patricia. Could you ask uh, Neve what about a multi-pack of water? Are you charged for each bottle or just one charge? Each bottle. Unfortunately, it is a multi-pack. It's the same as if you buy it individually. If it's in scope within the 150 mils to three litres, there is a charge on each bottle. Hi, Patricia. Is plastic there, bottle. Plastic, yeah. No, is, just, is there a time frame to return the bottles? Can you take back a bunch at a time or do you have to go in one at a time? You can absolutely take- no time frame. Yeah. And uh, what I would say, Patricia, that's a great question because for me, I suppose at the moment, what I personally do is with glass bottles, I have them in a box and, you know, I put them in the boot of the car or I walk down if I can get down to the nearest um, glass bottle bank. But for me, it's the same type of thing. I would see it and what we've seen from research is that abroad, what people do is they bring their empty bottles and cans with them when they're going to do their weekly shop and they return them as you would, I suppose, getting your plastic bags ready to bring yeah, to the shop. Yeah, I, I have to say, when I took part in the in the pilot at our Aldi store uh, last year, I we had, a, we had a large shopping bag and everybody knew to put the cans and the plastic bottles in there 
And that's exactly what I did. Once a week, I'd be going into the store, bought it with me. And it just, it, it becomes a habit. It's a little bit like, yes. leave. it's just adjustment. Um, and there, there will be a bit of adjustment during the transition period. But it kind of reminds me of when we first started with the plastic bag levy. I mean, how many times did I get to the supermarket and I had to go back out to the car because I, I forgot know. my bags? So it's just, and now I would never go into a supermarket. I'd never forget my bags. You know, so it's just mm. adjustment, isn't it? It is an adjustment. And actually, Patricia, you brought up a very good um, uh, item there on the transition period, because there will be from the 1st of February, a period of four to five months where we'll have both stock on the shelves that won't have a return logo. It'll be seen as older stock per se and the newer stock of the return logo. And that's to prevent waste and so that retailers can sell all of their stock through. But just to say to your listeners, if it has a return logo on it, there will be a deposit charged that is fully refundable. Yeah, because some people are saying, well, cans that are brought now, can they be returned in February? No, because they're not going to have that return logo on it. Uh, Neve, listen, you've been a mine of information. You've answered all of our questions. We appreciate that. No doubt we'll speak to you again between now and the 1st of February. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much and happy Christmas and to everybody. And many happy returns. Thank you for that. That is Neve uh, Kelly. And Neve is Head of Marketing and Communications at Return, the not-for-profit organisation responsible for the deposit and return scheme coming your way on the 1st of February. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Uh, Frick says this is on the return, deposit and return. We've progressed as a nation, haven't we? Says Frick. I was doing that back in the 60s with my glass uh, bottles. Uh, okay, listen, that's where I leave you for today. Uh, Nick with you for the afternoon. Thanks to John Paul. Court today ten. on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.